Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Once Upon a Time, Season 1, Episode 8, Desperate Souls. This episode is written by Jane Espenson and directed by Michael Waxman. It premiered January 8th, 2012, and had a viewership of 10.35 million. And I mentioned briefly in our last episode that the viewership went up and we discussed, you know, it's the post-Christmas time. That makes sense. I also kind of think this episode focuses on Rumpelstiltskin. That might have had something to do with it. Yeah. So going into the brief synopsis, Regina and Mr. Gold play dirty politics and take opposite sides when Emma runs for a coveted Storybrooke public office against Sydney. Meanwhile, back in the fairy tale world that was, Rumpelstiltskin tries to track down the ultimate power source in order to help his son avert the horrors of a meaningless war. So, going into the recap, this episode marks the first time clips from the opening title have been changed to reflect the plot development so far. Prior to this, the opening only used clips from the first episode. I thought that was a little... Huh. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. But yeah, you're right that this is the first time where it wasn't like the same basic mm-hmm. set of clips. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And the title card features the dark one riding a horse. So the episode opens up with Rumpelstiltskin and he's spinning in his village on his spinning wheel. Hordor and his knights ride up and they grab a young girl named Moraine from the village and they're inducting her into the army as a soldier, supposedly. Rumpelstiltskin is frightened by this because his son Belfire will be taken next since he is about to turn 14, which is the age that the draft for the Ogre Wars now requires. As Moraine's parents attempt to stop the knights from taking their daughter, they fall to the ground choking. It is revealed that the Dark One is watching this interaction and uses his magic to stop Moraine's parents. So this is the first time we see Rumple like before as a man, the dark one, like as a regular man in the enchanted forest. So that's interesting, but also, you know, you see the dark one and stuff here and we're talking about the ogre wars and we have this all powerful being. Why is said all-powerful being not doing anything to stop said ogre wars and, you know, save the children? You know, there's so many things about this episode that really bugged me like that, rewatching it this time. My only guess is, well, we're going to find out, so I, I guess it's not a spoiler, but he basically wants to die. He doesn't want to be the Dark One anymore. So my guess would be is that he's doing as little because he, he also doesn't have his dagger. Uh, the, the king has his dagger, or the duke has his dagger, excuse me. Yeah. So my guess is, is he's doing as little as possible following like the duke's commands. With the hope that the du- dukes will kill him then? Is that the... Well, I think he knows, he, uh, he seems interested in Rumpelstiltskin to say the least. So I think he knows he, need, he can maybe get this guy to kill him. I, I think it's... I think it's part of, like, all the Dark Ones always seem to have a master plan. So I think his plan was to have this girl, Moraine, taken. 
and like in front of Rumpel and everything and worry yeah. about his son, like to motivate Rumpel to do something for his son. You're saying it was all plotted out before yeah. this yeah. episode even started. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it makes sense. But yeah, that's it, it doesn't say it in the episode or anything, but in my head canon, this, this is what makes it work. Meanwhile, in Storybrooke, Mr. Gold expresses his condolences to Emma Swan about the late Sheriff Graham's untimely death. And he offers her his support if she chooses to run for sheriff. He has a box of the sheriff's possessions and tells her to take something for remembrance. She refuses his jacket, but is persuaded to take a pair of walkie-talkies. My notes on this scene are Emma walking into his shop and saying, gold, you there? And him whispering to himself, well, it is is my shop. Yeah. I love that clip so much. Yeah. And then Emma doesn't want any of Graham's things until Gold says that he'll give them to Regina. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, she's torn about it. But also, you know, we also see here how like enthralled, I guess I would say, Mr. Gold is with children and children's things. And he definitely makes a point to be like, you're going to want to take the walkie talkies to Mm -hmm. play with your son before he gets too old. Right, right. Yes. It's It's always something involving children that seems to affect Mr. Golds. And I guess we'll find out in a few episodes why that is. I also noticed, I didn't write this down, but in the paintings behind Gold, the one painting to his bottom right, our bottom left on the screen, it's a painting of a, uh, not a cabin, but of a house that kind of resembles his when he was a man. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I'm hmm. going to try to notice that. But... Yeah, I'm going to try to find a list of everything that's in Gold's shop. And maybe the paintings are all different places that he lived or something like that. Or maybe I'm just crazy. Emma meets Henry at his fort and she gives him a walkie talkie so that they can stay in touch during their operations. But a despondent Henry tells her that he thinks they should stop Operation Cobra. He tells her that they should not mess with the curse. Henry thinks that the evil queen killed Sheriff Graham, and he's correct about that, because he was good. And he is worried about Emma, because she is good. Henry doesn't want to upset the evil queen, otherwise known as Regina, anymore. Uh, And good always loses, because good has to play fair. That's right. My only note on the scene is that Emma never says to Henry that Regina isn't evil. Like he calls her evil several times and then she just lets him walk away. (laughs) I think because even Emma's starting to just like, yeah, you know what? I agree. Well, this is also after Regina punched her. So yeah, fair enough. I'm sure Emma isn't exactly like, yeah, I love Regina. Yeah. Later, Emma is in the sheriff's office and she is looking at the sheriff's badge. Regina comes in and tells Emma that despite the fact that Emma is a deputy, the sheriff's badge is not for her as she intends to appoint Sidney Glass as the new sheriff. Regina tells Emma that she has not earned the right to wear the badge, and she fires Emma and takes the badge away. I did some research about this, and it turns out that mayors do not have the authority to fire sheriffs or deputies. Mayors are an elected official for a city, whereas sheriffs and their deputies are elected officials for the county. And it's similar to how the president of the United States can't fire a governor. Makes sense. I mean, you know, I don't think the show really cares about that no. per se. But yeah, I just, I, it just bugged me. And like I said, there are a couple things in this episode that I'm like, uh, why is that that way? Like it, it, little things that bug me about it. But yeah, so I did a, a little, now I didn't specifically look at Maine, maybe in Maine, 
mayors can fire sheriffs, but everywhere that I came across, it said that, you know, mayors don't have the authority to fire a sheriff. Later, Emma is at home trying to fix the toaster. She needed to hit something, so she hit the toaster. Uh, she tells Mary Margaret that Regina fired her. Mr. Gold comes to the door wanting to discuss something with her. She invites him in. He tells her that he heard what happened and that he feels that it is an injustice. He tells her two people with a common goal can accomplish a lot, but two people with a common enemy can do much more. He asks her if she has checked out the town charter and that perhaps the mayor is not as strong as she thinks she is. My note here is that Mr. Gold always reads the fine print. So in the book, an interesting here is that Emma goes to Gold, not what happens here. Oh. Emma actually seeks Gold out, not Gold seeking Emma out, hmm. which I think actually makes more sense given that Mr. Gold was very like, hey, I'll help you out if you know you want to run for sheriff mm -hmm. in the earlier scene. Yeah. I, you know, I think that makes more sense than Mr. Gold just showing up being like, hello, I heard what happened. Yeah, I wonder why they made that. It does make more sense, but I wonder why they didn't do that in the show. Like a behind the scenes thing would be like, oh, they didn't have a set to put them in, but they have Gold Shop. Like she could just go back to Gold Shop and be like, you know, what do I have to do? But, yeah, exactly. Hmm. That is a very interesting change, and I like the books better. In the enchanted... Point one for the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's got some good points, but I, I like that one better. In the Enchanted Forest, Rumpelstiltskin and Balefire are leaving. He tells his son that he does not know what war is like. Knights on horses find them on the king's road and ask them where they are going. Rumpel is meek and tries to make up a lie. The lead knight asks Balefire how old he is and finds out that he is 13 and will become 14 in two days. The knights tell him that Rumpelstiltskin ran during the first Ogre War and that his cowardice is the reason why his wife left. The knights tell him that it is treason to avoid service and that they will take Balefire, who is old enough to serve. Rumpelstiltskin asks what he has to do to save his son and the knights tell him to kiss his boot in front of his boy. He bends down and kisses the boot, and the knight kicks him. The knights leave, and an old man who Rumpelstiltskin had given money to earlier comes to help them. Rumpel tells the old man that he has nothing left to give him, but the old man tells him not to worry and that he would become his benefactor, much like how Mr. Gold offered to become Emma's benefactor. Yeah, that was my note, actually, that it's okay. going Rumpel's previous statements. Yeah, there's a lot of, of being benefactors. Yeah, there's a lot of Echoes going and, back yeah. and forth between, mm. which they don't do as often as they could. This episode in particular is very, it weaves the story yeah. of oh. both together really well. It weaves it, huh? It weaves. <laughs> very, very <laughs> clever. Very clever. In Storybrooke, the mayor is holding a press conference to introduce the new sheriff, Sidney Glass. Emma, and which I found funny because he's the the head of the newspaper and they're holding a press conference also i'm convinced this is why we saw him in the last episode for like 2.5 seconds because they're mm. like oh we're gonna have to need sydney for like the whole episode next episode so we got to remind people that sydney's like a person Possibly. in this show yeah yeah you could very well be right emma interrupts the, pre the press conference and tells regina that she doesn't have the power to appoint a sheriff she can only appoint a candidate 
Emma tells Regina that she is running for sheriff, and Regina tells Emma that Sydney is running too, with her full support. Uh, I didn't write this down, but I laughed at when she, when Regina says to Emma that Sydney is running, and he says, "I am." Oh, I, I am. <laughs> uh, like it, 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 it just made me laugh when he said that. I still don't like. I don't even know why anybody would vote for Sydney at the end of the day. Like hmm. he has no political experience, no experience, like no experience in like helping people or like. Mary Margaret would make a better sheriff like yeah. than Sydney. Like yeah. there's nothing about Sydney that says this man can be sheriff. A man who was in a coma for uh, you know, an untold amount of time would make a better sheriff. Exactly. <laughs> but so going back to the enchanted forest, the old man tells Rumpelstiltskin that he has to find another way. But Rumpelstiltskin does not think that he has a choice because he is the town coward. The old man tells him that there is always a choice and he could acquire power to save Bellfire. The old man tells him that if he wants power, he can take it from the Duke, who has the Dark One enslaved with a dagger. The old man tells Rumpelstiltskin that if he can steal the dagger, he can control the Dark One and save his son. This scene annoys me so much because... This guy knows all this stuff about the Dark One, and we know why later, but Mm -hmm. this guy knows all this stuff about the Dark One that no one else seems to know, because Mm -hmm. if this was like widespread information, some beggar man would know if this was widespread information. Why does this random beggar know this information offhand that Rumpel just would love to know? Yeah. it's... It's sketchy. Rumpel doesn't question it, because of course he doesn't, because he's only seeing the save my son bit here, but... Mm. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, Rumpelstiltskin, he is a coward, but he can do incredibly brave things when it comes to his child. Like, that that's something that before he becomes the Dark One, spoilers, I guess, but before he acquires the power that he has, even when he was a regular man, he can do things that are incredibly brave, as long as it's for his child. But when it's for himself, uh, he doesn't yeah. have that ability. Oh, 100%. Like... It's what, it's his whole thing when you mm. think about it is he can be brave. And like, I guess that makes sense too when we learn literally like a million mm. seasons from now about what his true destiny was. And That's very true. My only note for this scene is that the true name of the Dark One is written on the dagger. And I put true names, Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, we're going to do an episode covering the original story of Rumpelstiltskin, but I just thought maybe it's a little bit of a callback to that or something. Probably. Names are very important to Rumpelstiltskin, as we see in the very first episode. Mm-hmm. So. Back in Storybrooke at Mr. Gold's shop, Regina comes in to confront Mr. Gold and accuses him of finding a clause in the town charter. Mr. Gold tells her that it is a shame Sheriff Graham died. Regina asks if he is going up against her. Mr. Gold tells her no, not directly. Regina tells him that he is backing a losing horse. So I have a few notes about things said in here. Gold to Regina when she comes barging in. Shall I move some things? Clear a bit of space for your rage. Um, I wrote Regina calling him a bastard, which I thought was very strong language for ABC. And then Gold never says please throughout this whole ordeal, which as we've established, he could end this whole thing by just saying, you know, please drop Sydney out of the race or whatever. Or, oh man, like I didn't even think about that. That Though he, I feel like he doesn't like to use please when he has other means. That's true. Because um, if he says it too much, it's going to be 
very obvious he's awake. So I have Emma comes to see Henry and asks him how school is, and she sees he is reading something. It is the town newspaper for which Sidney Glass works. He's the editor. And Emma is on the front page in a story about how she served time in prison and had given birth to Henry while incarcerated. Henry tells Emma that while his mother is evil, Emma is not. Emma tells him Mr. Gold is helping her. And Henry tells her that she already owes Mr. Gold one favor. She does not want to owe him two. And my only note here is Henry's line is saying, Mr. Gold, he's even worse than Regina is. So in the book, they don't have anything in the chapter that like is really about the, the Enchanted Forest stuff. But here they do talk about how Rumpel really loves his son and his son is the most important thing to him. Mm. And that's why he does anything he does, which is such an, which is why Mr. Gold will do anything and cares about Henry and children, because he will do anything for his son, which is such an odd way to point that out in the book that Mm. I don't really understand. The book came out in when? 20? I think it was two years after the first season. So. Okay. So the second season, the second season had premiered then. I think so. All right. Is it possible if she knew that Rumpelstiltskin slash Mr. Spoilers. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right. Who knows? Emma goes to visit the mayor, and she is mad that Regina had her juvie records printed in the newspaper. Emma tells her that it is not good for Henry to see his adopted and natural mother fighting. Regina tells Emma that she can talk to Sydney all about it in the debate, much to Emma's surprise, as she didn't realize that there would be a debate. They go to open the door, and the door explodes with a huge fire behind it. Regina falls, hurting her ankle, and she tells Emma that she has to help her get up. So I wrote down, I I didn't look this up, but there's definitely something illegal about Sidney, the newspaper editor, running a story about his opponent in an election. Like, I know that the press has to cover candidates equally. Yeah, I was thinking about that. But you know, you know, Regina forced him to do it. It had nothing to do with him wanting to run that. Oh, and if right. it did, like, wouldn't that immediately make people like, I know the whole point was to put that story so people didn't want to vote for Emma, but wouldn't mm. other people be like, but Sydney runs the paper? Yeah. Why would we vote for Sydney? Who's going to post this type of stuff? Also, I like that here, Emma is showing that she is a much better mother than Regina in this moment by being like, hey, we shouldn't fight because it's bad for Henry. Like, yeah, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. And her crash course of three weeks or whatever of being a mother, she's she's already getting better than Regina. And then uh, the one line here says Regina to Emma about gold. He's a snake, that one. And I I just laughed at it because, you know, crocodile, snake, his lizard face, all that. Back in the Enchanted Forest. Rumpelstiltskin is working with Belfire on something that'll help him get to the castle to steal the dagger from the Duke. He tells Belfire that if they get the dagger, he can get the power and then redeem himself. He can save not only his son, but all the children of the land. Belfire asks if it is true that he ran and that his mother left. Rumpelstiltskin tells him that his mother had died, as he had said before, and Belfire then asks for their plan to get the dagger. Rumpel tells him most of the Duke's castle is made of stone, but part of it is made from wood and wood burns. I just want to say I love the juxtaposition of that kind of ending scene and Rumpel planning the fire and then we see the fire. 
and Emma saving Regina from the fire. Yeah, I forgot to mention, I didn't put it in my notes, but earlier in the episode when Emma goes to see uh, Mr. Gold originally, he is working on something with, not lambskin, but I, 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 something that had lamb. Flammable stuff on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> you know, he knew he was going to need that all along. He knows everything and he knows when it's going to happen. Well, yeah, he basically says as much at the end of this episode. Back in Storybrooke, Regina tells Emma that she knows that she is going to leave her to die in the fire. However, Emma grabs a fire extinguisher and helps Regina out of the building. As they walk out of the building, someone takes a picture of Emma helping out Regina, and Regina complains when Emma does not put her down on the ground gently enough. Sydney comes over and takes Regina's picture. Regina asks Sydney if he is trying to give up the campaign. All the people of Storybrooke are calling Emma a hero. Emma tells Henry that this shows that they do not have to fight dirty. Emma then sees a rag on the ground and suspects that someone set the fire. She goes to see Mr. Gold and accuses him of doing it. Mr. Gold tells her that if he did it, it was because Emma could not win unless something dramatic happened to prove herself. Emma tells him that she cannot go along with this. Mr. Gold tells her, that if she exposes him, think of what she'll be walking away from and who she will be disappointing. So my notes here are, Emma says that she will save Regina again and again, because that is what good people do. Uh, I think that comes back a lot throughout the series. Yeah. When Gold says to Emma that she needed to be a hero in a fire, he does the rumple hand flourish like he throws his hand yeah. up like how Rumpelstiltskin does. And a bit of trivia here. After the fire, when Emma is interrogating Mr. Gold, there is a vintage Mickey Mouse figure behind them. Oh man, the mouse has showed up. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's the Overlord, dark one. <laughs> <laughs> Overlord of uh, ABC and all Disney yeah. properties. Mickey Mouse is the dark one. That's that's canon. Canon, 100%. Yeah. Yep, that's, that's why he can... Uh, wield a keyblade in kingdom hearts um well walt disney was one of them, let's be honest oh oh you're right oh. mm. we're, get, we're getting into all kind of spoilers today <laughs> this episode is a spoilery episode yeah um all right in the enchanted forest rumpelstiltskin and balefire are setting fire to hay around the castle rumpelstiltskin goes into the burning building and finds the dagger so then this is one of the things that bothered me about the episode I mentioned in a previous episode when it was charming Abigail and their fathers walking in their castle and how there was no one else around. Yeah. There are no guards at this castle. Now you can make an argument that the fire caused them to flee, but someone, whether it's the Duke himself or someone would be going for that dagger. They would know that they have to protect that and get that at all costs. Especially the dagger is behind a tapestry. Yeah. It's not in somebody's room. It's well, not somewhere where it would be really hard to find. Anything can scroll on, scroll on by and find the dagger behind the tapestry. This is one of the reasons why I think uh, Zozo, or Zoso, however it's said, the Dark One currently wants to die because he could have gotten that dagger at any point if he wanted to. Like it's not enchanted that he can't get it or anything. Moving along, the debate for Sheriff is drawing near in Storybrooke. David meets Mary Margaret, and she asks David how things are. He tells her that he's gotten a job at the animal shelter, 
and David is posting campaign pictures of Sydney while Mary Margaret is posting photos of Emma. David says he's posting Sydney's photos because his wife Catherine is the mayor's friend. When Mary Margaret asks about her, David says she's fine and he's about to meet her soon. After which Mary Margaret leaves saying she ran out of Emma's pictures and needed to go get more. So do we think he took Sheriff Graham's old spot at the uh, animal shelter? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. My God. Uh, well, it depends on how good of friends Catherine and Regina are, I guess. You know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it depends if there's actually a real animal shelter job that he's gone to, you know? You know, and um, since we're just throwing out spoilers, it, I'm, I'm going to make that headcanon now. And the fact that he gets mad at uh, Mary Margaret down the road for sleeping with Dr. Whale is nothing compared to him sleeping with Regina and Catherine at the same time, because that's what I'm picturing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You need a minute? <laughs> no, we're good. Oh, okay. So Mary Margaret goes to see Emma and Emma tells her that she cannot win as she does not fight dirty like Regina. Emma tells Mary Margaret that she wants to show Henry that a hero can win. And Emma says, if I'm not a hero, the savior, what part do I have in his life? Which I think is a very revealing moment for Emma. Yeah. In the enchanted forest, Rumpelstiltskin comes back and asks Balefire to go home and wait for him, but his son has a bad feeling. Rumpelstiltskin looks at the dagger and repeats the words, summoning whatever is in the dagger. He turns around and the Dark One is there, and Rumpelstiltskin tells him that he controls him. The Dark One, however, taunts Rumpelstiltskin, implying that his son is not biologically his. The Dark One asks Rumpelstiltskin what he would have him do, and he says die. Rumpelstiltskin then stabs the Dark One, who falls to the ground and is revealed to be the old man. He tells Rumpelstiltskin that magic always comes with a price, and now it is Rumpelstiltskin's to pay. As his skin starts to change color, Rumpelstiltskin looks at the dagger and finds his own name is now engraved in it. So, you know what's interesting about Zozo as a Dark One overall is when we learn about a lot of the other dark ones, ever, they've all kind of consumed by the power and what they mm -hmm. need from the power itself, that none of them quite really want to give it up. So it's interesting that he really wants to die here and lose the power because that's not a trait we see with any of the other ones. When we get to our timeline episode, I think it would be interesting to list when the dark ones were and who, who I, if memory serves, I think uh, Zozo was the dark one for the second longest amount of time behind Rumpelstiltskin. So maybe it's just gotten to him being that, that dark one for so long. I mean, we do see Rumpelstiltskin kind of growing tired of being the dark one too, but also he's very much always trying to hold on to that power throughout yeah. the series. So it's, it's just interesting because like I said, we see a lot of the dark ones, they hold on to it more so mm. than... And they're willing to relinquish it. It's interesting. I have a note later on that I'll discuss, but it, it's interesting how that the Dark One power works. And we'll discuss that in just a few moments. In Storybrook, the candidates are at the town hall and are about to debate. Sydney makes his opening statements. 
and then Emma gets up to make hers. She tells them she has a troubled past and that they have overlooked it because she was a hero. She tells everyone that the fire was a setup, that Mr. Gold said he would support her and he set the fire. She has no definitive proof of it, but she knows that it's true. She tells them that she cannot win this way and she apologizes. Mr. Gold gets up and leaves. My notes here are that Regina is mouthing Sydney's speech while he's saying it, so clearly she wrote it. Oh, yeah. The short, and a little trivia here, the short speech that Sidney Glass gives in the town hall contains references to his counterpart, the Magic Mirror. Examples include the use of the word reflection and the fact that he chose the best qualities to state just as he would do to the evil queen. And then I have another note here that Emma is wearing a brown leather jacket. Which is very reminiscent of uh, Graham's jacket and the jacket of the sheriff's office so i think she's definitely trying to give up sheriff vibes with the outfit overall i thought maybe i'd get a small round of applause for noticing emma's jacket but that, that that's okay um for those who can't hear ashley is now applauding but the microphone's not picking it up thank you <laughs> emma is in the cafe and henry comes in and gives emma a walkie-talkie and tells her that she is a hero because she stood up to mr gold regina comes in with sydney they tell her that she has won and she is the sheriff. It was a very close race, but people were impressed because she stood up to Mr. Gold. Regina tells Emma that Mr. Gold doesn't make a good friend, but he is a superlative enemy. She then tells her to enjoy her win. I do love that Ruby gives Regina, uh, gives Emma some whiskey and gives Henry some milk. milk. <laughs> yeah, and Regina comments on it. She says, you're here with my son drinking <laughs> like or something along those yeah. lines yeah back in the enchanted forest the knights come to get bale fire and the newly changed rumpelstiltskin stabs one the lead knight hordor gets down on one knee thinking that he is the old dark one but then realizes it is not the same man and asks who he is hordor realizes it's rumpelstiltskin who tells him that he is the new dark one he asks Hordor to kiss his boot and then kills him and the remaining knights. Balefire asks what has happened to him. He tells his son that he is safe and asks if he feels safe. Balefire tells him he feels frightened and backs away. Rumpelstiltskin tells him he protected what is his and is no longer afraid of anything. And I, my note here is that we will see in later seasons how the corruption of the Dark One works that you try to do good things, but it makes you do evil. And like right here, Rumpelstiltskin in trying to protect his son kills a bunch of men. Now the lead knight, Hordor was a bad guy seemingly, but we don't know about the other knights. Yeah. Uh, we also get his signature giggle for the first time there. Oh. Like, well, first time as him being the dark one, we get hmm. that, like that would be canonically that like yeah. first little giggle we have in his timeline yeah yes i didn't notice that thank you thank yeah you for... we get it right at the end of the episode hmm. and then i have mr gold comes to visit emma and tells her it was all an act he had to give her a higher form of bravery the people had to see her defy mr gold he tells her that by standing up to him people feel that she could stand up to regina emma asks why he did it Mr. Gold says it's because of a deal they made a while ago, and she owes him a favor, strongly echoing the deceased Dark One's words, 
right before he died as Rumpelstiltskin stabbed him. Now that she is the sheriff, he is sure that she can find a way to repay him. And the words that he strongly echoed was that he recognizes a desperate soul. Yeah, which is something Zozo says mm -hmm. as once Rumpel stabs him. Mm -hmm. So there were two deleted scenes for this episode. The first one was called Waste of Time, and it was scene 24. Henry is putting up posters of Emma outside the town hall. He places her face over a fireman's body to make her look more heroic. But she has a different opinion on how she looks. Regina walks up and Henry quickly rips down the poster and tries to hide it and the others. Regina notices and describes his effort as a waste of time and a waste of trees. That's such an interesting thing that he puts her on the fireman Fire. because yeah. of what we know in the next episode when she mm -hmm. tells Henry that his father was a fireman. So I often wonder sometimes in the editing process of episodes, they take scenes from certain episodes and put them in other episodes. Yeah. I wonder if Emma was supposed in the original script revealed to Henry that his father was a fireman in this, well, lied to Henry that his father was a fireman in this episode. It would make sense if she had said it in this episode too, mm -hmm. just as like an offhanded thing, though it does fit the next episode better. Much better. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other deleted scene is simply called the Duke and is about the Duke of the Frontlands. And he was supposed to appear in the episode played by Michael Parsony, but his character was deleted from the episode. However, the actor is still credited in the press release. Um, huh. but, yeah, this was another. Yeah, this was another thing that bothered me about the episode was that where Rumpelstiltskin and Balefire live is called the Front Lands. Like that's that's where all the fighting's going to happen. Why don't you get out of there? Like it's a battlefront. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, the whole war thing. Everything about it is like very superficial to me just because there's definitely ways it could be easily ended by multiple people in this universe so mm -hmm. and then I have some production notes here they're all about actors being reused Kate Bateman who plays Moraine's Mer mother also played peasant number one in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland the episode Nothing to Fear Patty Allen who plays Miss Ginger also played the blind witch in The Thing You Love Most, implying that Miss Ginger in Storybrooke is the counterpart of the blind witch. And actor C. Ernest Hearth, who plays the burly man, also plays the scared ogre in The Thing You Love Most, and Abraham in season two, the episode Tiny. Since Abraham was killed, this implies the burly man is the storybook counterpart of the scared ogre. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I do have like a personal note here mostly because it's something I noted at the start of this when you put the date of when this episode actually aired. Uh, this episode aired on my 21st birthday. Oh, well, <laughs> happy belated birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what's interesting here is I definitely remember watching this episode, which means I was watching in a hotel room in Disney because that's where I was on my 21st birthday. So now if that if if that's not a magical experience. If that's not the most uh ABC Disney magical way to do things. Nothing is. All right. Anything else you'd like to say? No. All right. Well, that concludes this week's episode of the Once Again Podcast. Thank you for joining us. 
Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to either our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at onceagainpod. If you are feeling generous and would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. Also, a like and a share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day.